Welcome to Government Enabled, a podcast created to explore some of the biggest workforce challenges faced by federal and state agencies today. In each episode, we'll feature insights from industry experts who are helping the government improve their workforce operations and make better data-driven decisions. Join us as we explore federal subject matter expertise and innovative technology in supporting the mission of government agencies. Let's get started. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is William Kaling. I, I work as a business development person for Economic Systems Incorporated, or EconSys, and I wanted to welcome you to the ninth episode of our government-enabled podcast. This is the first one I'm having an opportunity to participate in. I'm pretty excited, and I'm really excited to introduce my first guest on the podcast. Mr. George Garcia is with us today, and we're excited to learn a little bit more about George and the history he's had serving the government and working with EconSys. George, just want to say hi. Hey, thanks, George. I really appreciate you making the time to be a part of this program today. I was very impressed when I started with the company based on our conversations with some of the years of service that you provided and different experiences that you had. So I, you were kind of first on my list as to people I wanted to interview for this program just because you really have had an impressive career. I know I'm new to the industry, but still, from what we talked about, I was very impressed with your resume. So I was hoping maybe you could give our audience just some background about yourself and how you arrived here at EconSys after your years of service in the government. Thank you, William. I appreciate that introduction. Hello, everybody. My name is George Garcia. I have been working professionally for the last 40 years, basically. I started in the area of human resources and training and development and equal opportunity oh, around 33 years ago. I was initially exposed to the area of equal opportunity and human resources while I was working in the Army as an officer, and I was selected to be part of adjunct faculty staff for the Defense Equal Opportunity Management Institute. And this is a Department of Defense assignment, DOD assignment as we call it, where basically our uh, sole purpose was to certify and train equal opportunity program managers for the Department of Defense at the time, Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, and even Coast Guard. I know Coast Guard now is under DOT. And while I was there, I got my two master's degrees, and I love the area of human resources and equal opportunity. And ever since 1988, I've been working in the area of HR and EEO. Had a chance to work also as an equal opportunity program manager after my four-year assignment to uh, the OMI. And uh, after that, I've been working in the area of human resources for several organizations and in several industries. My 33 years of experience are basically a combination of the military, the Army, where I was an officer, the private sector, where I was a director for human resources, and the federal government, where I was a chief human capital officer for an agency in the federal government. I've had the privilege of serving, as mentioned, for 33 years in this particular area. I've had some great jobs. The ones that I can highlight were for the Department of Homeland Security, Immigration Customs Enforcement, where I was a director for human capital. I also worked for USDA, Department of Agriculture, where I was a director for human resources development. And my last duty assignment uh, was as a chief human capital officer in the federal government for an organization called Export-Import Bank a couple of years ago. I did retire from the military with 24 years and from the federal government with 20 years. 
And I started with economic systems in September last year. I would say I've been on board now for about nine months. And I basically focused on the areas of human resources from a federal perspective and also on equal opportunity and also diversity and inclusion support for organizations. I've also been a faculty professor for the University of Maryland, now called the University of Maryland Global Compass. The last 12 years, I enjoy teaching human resources, and that's what I do and still doing today. That's so cool. That's such an interesting career. What do you think about your personality has made, what unique piece of your personality has kind of led you to be successful in this human resources area. I mean, that's a really a really broad area and a lot of different things that you've been able to accomplish in different roles. But I can't imagine there's one thing about you that's made you flexible enough to handle all those different roles. Well, that's a very good question. I like to think that I'm very adaptable. I think I'm able to quickly learn and adapt to different cultures And I can tell you that in working for the military, it's a totally different culture compared to the private sector. I also worked in the area of human resources. And when I look at the federal government, it's also a different culture altogether. So I think my adaptability, flexibility, and drive to always learn, and that's why I teach, by the way, part-time, because that's how I teach myself to stay up to snuff with all the changes in the human resources world. I like to also lead from the front. Most of my jobs have been managing teams, human resources teams, to be successful in all those three sectors. And even though I started in the federal government in a law enforcement environment, basically, I was able to switch and get some experience in human resources in several different federal agencies, ending, as I mentioned earlier, as a chief human capital officer for Exton Bank. Hopefully that answers the question. Definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. And I guess considering all the different roles you've had and all the different places you've worked, what do you believe are some of the typical challenges that those government agencies are facing as it relates to using data to analyze their workforce and and how productive that workforce is being? That is a very, very good question, I have to say, because I'd like to compare what I've done in human resources in the private sector versus the military and the federal government. And when I think about the federal government, I think they usually, usually tend to lag a little bit compared to the private sector in the area of technology. And in general terms, talking about data and data analysis, if you will. Something that I think one of the greatest challenges the federal government has is that It has too much data. There's a multitude of data that's available, and it's difficult to have the time to analyze that data and make sense out of it. How to take those data that you have and change it into priorities, be able to cascade that down to performance goals is part of a performance management process. We should be always focused on those priorities and then use that to motivate the workforce. And as you probably know, the federal government has a lot of processes in place already. Of course, the main guide is the Office of Personal Management throughout the federal government. So we use as a guide the human capital framework, which talks about how important it is to have a strategic plan, have it aligned and synchronized with the organization's goals and objectives and strategic and results act called uh, GPRA for short, 1993. So we have a lot of tools and processes established to help us navigate and be able to effectively support 
the doers here, which are the employees and the organizations, be successful, focus on their mission, which is what drives the federal government. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Do you feel like with all those different goals in mind, I mean, what about reporting? Do you feel like the different federal agencies are using technology as far as reporting uh, the best as they can? Or do you think there's still room for improvement there? I think there is room for improvement in the context that I think the federal government could do much, much better in terms of using technology that's available, mostly probably in the private sector, to be able to analyze the data quicker, synchronize it with the organization across the board, and come up with a standardized ways of reporting it. I think there's too much data, and to some extent, it is difficult or a challenge to capture all of that and come up with a strategic plan that synchronize, standardize, and align where you have standardized ways of reporting it to the organization where it makes sense. So then you can make some decisions in terms of what's important, what's not so important. Because as you know, priorities always change on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. I think the key word that I heard you say was standardization, you know, like that maybe different agencies are doing it different ways. And if they can do your best to stick to those standards you mentioned coming out of OPM and the other departments, that's going to make the difference. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if I can add something else, and I apologize for this interruption, because you maybe think about something. When you think about the fact that the federal government has a lot of unions, and once they negotiate a collective bargaining agreement, and I've done a lot of stuff with unions as well, they have to follow some of their processes based on what was agreed on that collective bargaining agreement. So, yeah, it is a balance act. You have to figure a way to find some semblance of standardization, but you also have to honor whatever collective bargaining agreement is in place in that particular organization. And that is a challenge. That is a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Do you think when you think about all the different roles you've had, both military and civilian, and the different agencies that you've supported, where do you feel like some of the biggest challenges are faced by those agencies when it comes to their people? Hmm, That's a very good question as well. I believe that, and this is an old military mentality, if you will, when I was an officer, if you take care of your people, your people will take care of you. I think we are in need of increasing diversity awareness in organizations, both in the private sector and in the federal sector. I think respect is a big thing that is becoming a challenge in our current culture. Managing people who are just different than you is a challenge as well. And there's a lot of things going on in the area of diversity and awareness. And I believe that people don't know that they don't know. They just think that they know. And based on what they think they know, they make decisions, they make assumptions, and they make a mistake. And sometimes the decisions that are made are not the right one because people just don't know. It's kind of funny, but I believe in that. You always have to be learning and getting the facts and understanding what's happening and being able to adjust what's happening based on those priorities. And right now, I think diversity, awareness, and respect for folks who are just different is a priority across the board. So in your opinion... What do you th- steps do you think that the government can take 
to try to increase awareness and education in that area of diversity? Well, I believe in something I've, I've had all my life, something called synergy. And synergy is nothing else than coming up with a team or a group of experts, if you will, who can work on a project and by combining their experiences, their knowledge, the end result is usually 10 times better than just one person or two persons trying to come up with a solution to the issue. So when it comes to using that education and awareness and using synergy to combine folks who have knowledge on this topic, we can come up, as we always have, with a better solution to be able to tackle this. Communication is a big thing. It's part of synergy and education and awareness. That's something I think we can do better. A lot of times we look at training as a possible solution, but you have to do the right training. I think conversations, face-to-face uh, -face training, I'm a firm believer of that, even though I've done a lot of online classes as well. I try to get the audience involved because I think we can do better listening and being able to use synergy to come up with a collective solution. Very cool. Very cool. And so I know that our software from EconSys, I know that we're really kind of focused on the federal government. And I know we do some other consulting for state and local governments. But in your experience working for the company, how do you feel like EconSys is really what do you feel like the value that is we're bringing to the government to try to implement some of these strategies and, and improvements? Uh, that's a very good question. Something I respect about economic systems is that they use technology to help customers. They have several tools, which I think fit perfectly in many organizations. They have something called FedHR Navigator. Uh, they have a lot of different tools they can use. They have something called talent management and use for employer relations and labor relations issues. They use data and they use different tools, the data for position management in terms of staffing, recruiting, retirement, separations, workforce reporting in terms of what's the right data and how to use those tools to report them where the customer can understand what are the issues, workforce analytics, workforce gap predictor, retirement eligibility reporter. They also use data, qualitative and quantitative data analysis to help organizations develop their MD-715. And they use that data to identify something called uh, diversity triggers and bear analysis and, and help the customers, in this case, the federal government, type of possible solutions so they can complete these yearly requirements they have to do every year with reporting based on data analysis and the tools ecosystem has i think they're great great user-friendly tools that can help customers achieve that and be successful that's very cool that's very cool so in other words using the technology to try to identify the issues so you know how to improve them you can then work towards improving this, the issues correct correct very cool. And could you give an example of one of the customers that you've been working with uh, as of late in those areas? Oh, okay. Absolutely. Can I mention the agency or, or, or not? Yeah, no, I think we're good to go in that regard. We currently have a five-year contract with the National Institute of Health. We just started uh, last year in September. And the whole purpose of this five-year project is to provide strategic guidance that will improve the culture that has to do with the diversity and inclusion 
and it has a lot of parts to it. We're basically working as a third-party person looking at an organization with about 17,000 employees to see how can we facilitate a process where they can complete this Equal Employment Opportunity Commission EOC MD 715 requirement. And we're using data analysis. We're looking at data across the board, qualitative and quantitative, if you will. We're looking at structure, roles, relationships across NIH. We're looking at the workplace culture, looking at different perspectives from key stakeholders. We're looking at the history of diversity, inclusion, and equity across the board, policies, procedures, looking at priority subjects and, and strategies. And we're having a series of, we've had so far approximately 40 different meetings with the organization, different stakeholders, different groups, different teams, different departments, different ICs, with the intent of gathering data. That's the first thing you do. And then once you have all that data and you analyze it, we'll be in a better position to identify what they call triggers and barriers, which are perhaps hindering a better culture that is more inclusive in the areas of diversity and inclusiveness, if you will, across the board. And then after that, uh, part of the process is then to help them with the SMEs that we have and working with them and collaborating with them to identify possible solutions to help them improve so they can become a much more diversity and inclusive culture across the board. It's a very exciting product. What I like about this particular project is that I have a chance to put together my experience when I used to work in the area of equal opportunity for DOD many years and human resources together. And I can look at federal HR solutions or strategies that I'm hoping are going to be able to help the organization go through a change management process. And it's a five-year contract. We're just getting started. We're just in the phase of learning and assessing and trying to understand the culture across the board. Does that help a little bit? Oh, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you giving us that insight into the project you're currently working with at NIH. And more importantly, just the big picture on not only your work today as a subject matter expert for EconSys, but also what led you to come to work with the organization. All those years of experience in the military and in the civilian government or civilian part of the U.S. government working in human resources to support those communities. I mean, it really has been a great education for me, and I really appreciate you making the time to join me in the podcast and and give me that big picture overview. So hopefully our listeners will get something from it as well. And thank you again for your time. It really, really has meant a lot. So I guess, you know, if you ever have any issues, definitely don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're, We're happy to introduce you to George or any of the other members of the team here at EconSys. So, George, thanks again for your time, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Thank you, William. Uh, to me, it's been a pleasure to have a chance to talk a little bit about what I'm doing and what I've done. I really enjoyed this very much, and uh, hey, if you need me again, just let me know. <laughs> I certainly will. Thanks again, and you have a great afternoon. Take you care. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Government Enabled is brought to you by EconSys, an organization that helps power federal and state governments with exceptional workforces. If you're a public sector leader looking to get the most out of your people, then subscribe to the Government Enabled Podcast on all major platforms. And check out all archived episodes at econsys.com. Thanks for listening.